Hello and thanks for listening to RT Radio 1's The Rolling Wave podcast with me, Aoife Nick In this episode, we're marking the centenary of the birth of musician and composer Paddy O'Brien. player and composer Paddy O'Brien was an important and influential figure in Irish traditional music. Through his own playing he was a huge inspiration to other accordion players. He was a generous and encouraging music teacher to many aspiring musicians and he was also a prolific composer of tunes and any musician listening even if you're maybe not aware that you're playing a Paddy O'Brien tune I can nearly guarantee you that you have at least a couple in your repertoire. I'm thinking of tunes like Dinny O'Brien's Reel the Nervous Man, The Old Road to Gary and loads more. On the 10th of February this year, Paddy O'Brien would have been 100 years old. So to mark his centenary, I'm joined tonight in studio by his daughter, fiddle player Eileen O'Brien and Geraldine Cotter on piano. And they'll be playing some of Paddy's music and talking about him shortly. But first, some music from the man himself. This is a track which was recorded for Bill Stapleton's Irish Recording Company in Dublin in 1947. This is Peter Street and Bonnie Kate. Street and Bonnie Kate played by Paddy O'Brien with Eileen Lane on piano and Paddy's daughter Eileen as I said and Geraldine Cotter are both here with me in Studio 8. Um, Eileen tell me first about that recording. Bill Stapleton um, he set up the first Irish recording company and um, he got musicians to come up to Dublin to record and um, the view was to have them released at some stage so he got on to Copley Records in Boston and anyway, between the jigs and the reels, those recordings were released in America by Copley. They weren't released in Ireland. And um, it was very funny. The very funny story attached to it was my father um, emigrated to America in January 54. And my mother, he, he married my mother, Eileen Seary, from Dublin here. Um, in, they got married in 1955. And they were walking down a street in New York, the street where there were music shops. And there was... a record player going in the music shop or a gramophone I presume and this music was coming out over a loudspeaker and my mother said that's you playing Paddy <laughs> and he said I will you go away out of that you know and she said I'm telling you that's you and they went in and sure enough it was because they see it hadn't been released in Ireland so that was the first he knew <laughs> that he'd been released in America. So he'd, he'd never heard it? No he'd never heard it no 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 um, he was on it was Sean Maguire was there the same day that they recorded and uh, it was Sean Maguire on one side and Paddy O'Brien on the other side. <laughs> Irish champion players. 
Yeah, and and I mean we've done a little bit about Bill Stapleton and yeah. that, those uh, CDs on this program. Yeah. There was um, the the fiddle album and yeah. Uh, yeah. and the yeah. um, piping album. So Absolutely. maybe there's an accordion album on the way. I'm not sure, but uh, it's yeah. a, it's an amazing collection. It's an amazing collection. Yeah, yeah. and um, Harry uh, um, Harry Bradshaw contacted me about Bill Stapleton because he was doing the research in it, and he rang me about the dad's recordings. He was trying to put a year on them, so I was able to put the year on them. And then we were chatting, and I said, "You know, I'm I'm t- I'm I'm in the middle of trying to gather up things." And uh, I so he I said, "Would you be able to help me? You know, would you be interested in you know helping me to clean them up?" So he Harry was very generous, you know, great, great only for him. Like, and he actually turned up uh, turned up with um, another track from that time, the Doctor O'Neill's that wasn't released. So that has never been heard. That was recorded on the day, but it wasn't used. Okay, yeah. Mm. We, no, we're going and to then, of course, yeah. the the wonderful piano playing of Eileen Lane, who later married Bill Stapleton. Mm. I mean, she was way ahead of her time because, I mean, a lot of the piano players that time, they didn't really know how to accompany, you know, or it was a new thing, like, you know, but she was, she was on the ball, like, you know, she was, she was really great. Yeah, and I want you to tell me uh, shortly mm. about um, the, the talent show in the States and the training of the piano players, but oh, we'll yeah. get to that. <laughs> get to that. Um, but, but maybe just briefly for anyone listening who's sort of new to the music of Paddy O'Brien, tell me just a little bit about him, his background and, and okay. who he was. Well, um, we can trace back Dad's grandfather, Pat O'Brien. He was a concertina player. And then his father, Dinny O'Brien, played fiddle and concertina and his uncles, Pat and Mick, all fiddles and concertinas. So fiddles and concertinas were the instruments in the house and also his aunt Maggie she played fiddle and um, his sister Mary played concertina but she was also a dancer she had a, she used to teach dancing step dancing and um, it was music in the house all the time they had nothing else I mean you're talking about ni- he was born in 1922 and times were hard in Ireland so the, that was what they did and uh, the house was a meeting place in the village of Newtown the house is beside the Newtown River and and there's a bridge it was Newtown Bridge, but the house is called the bridge. Everyone called it the bridge. And they used to come there and play music and dance. And it was a gathering place. And I did an interview as part of my research with Sean Ryan, the fiddle player and composer. Sean was dad's first cousin. And his brother, Joe, I did an interview with Joe. And he told me that they, there wouldn't be any room in the house. So everyone would go out and sit on the bridge. There'd be over, there'd be people sitting on both sides of the bridge. <laughs> listening to the music coming from the house so um, it was a great um, seems to have been a great house for gatherings and music and all that yeah and what was he like as a person what was he like as dad as a father yeah uh, dad was he was quite he he was he was a very quiet man he wasn't like he started off his musical life on the fiddle because that was the natural thing in the house and um, it was only by accident he, he started on the accordion Dinny had a friendship with Paddy Kelly from Ockram, the Ockram Slope Skelly Band, the leader of the Ockram Slope Skelly Band. And I have a lovely picture of Dad when he's only about 12 years of age and the Ockram Slopes had paid a visit down to his house and he's gazing up in adoration to Paddy Kelly. My father adored Paddy Kelly and he reckoned he was the greatest influence on him. Paddy Kelly's brother, Tommy, was a policeman and he was stationed in Port Row, which is the next village up. And he had the first accordion that was ever seen around the place. Uh, because they were quite rare at that time. And he brought his accordion down and he used to come down to O'Brien's for tunes. So he used to leave the accordion there. And my father started messing around with the accordion when he was a child. And that's how he played the accordion. Other than that, he'd have stayed playing the fiddle. Now, he did play the fiddle. He always played the fiddle. But he wouldn't have played the accordion at all, only for Tommy Kelly. <laughs> yeah. and, but he, he loved the accordion, though, didn't oh, he? he? Did, like yeah. He, oh, he, God, he yeah. fell for it. Oh, oh he yeah, did, yeah. Completely. Yeah, oh, sure, he... 
Yeah, mm-hmm. his first one was a G, G sharp. I've tracked that one down. Um, Jim Egan, um, he's a flute player uh, and accordion player from uh, Calais, and his uncle bought it. Uh, Dad sold it. It was a Horner, G, G sharp. And then I suppose he was messing around with all different keys. You know, the, the accordions that time were coming in in all different keys mm-hmm. into Ireland. And, um, you know, you you had to figure out how you're going to play with the people around you, yes. you know. They weren't trained in music. My father wasn't trained in music. He didn't read or write music or anything like that at that stage of his life. So he he eventually came around to the BC. He figured out a way of doing it. But he was, what he was trying, if you listen to his playing, he's doing roles. He's playing in different keys. He was trying to put the fiddle music onto the accordion and that he could play in concert pitch with them. So he figured out his way of fingering or a fingering system that worked, you know. Mm. And Dinny, of course, was a huge influence in the area. And my grandfather, I remember him well. He was 92 when he died. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was, he was, he was great. He was a, a great man. And he never drove a car, but he was at every flare, every festival. <laughs> he got a lift everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to be. Yeah. I, I just want to bring Geraldine Cotter in. She's here as well uh, in studio. She's sitting at, at the piano. Geraldine, you, you knew Paddy as well, didn't you? I did. It's actually, that's when I got to know Eileen. Um, Peter O'Loughlin used to hold concerts in the Kilmaley Hall in, May, I think it's November or February. It was in the winter time anyway. And he invited musicians from all over the place, you know. Um, we'd have had musicians from Dublin. We would have had um, Paddy, Paddy and, Sh- Paddy and, Lacken and Johnny, Johnny Regan yeah. and he'd Sean McDonagh, yeah. Paddy Bono, Brian. Um, Eamon, Eamon Kelly. Kelly used to yeah. read, you do the Shanachie. Yeah. Sean O'Shea was often there. Yeah. Lots of people, but um, Paddy was a regular and Seamus Connolly and Eileen. And at that time, um, there were actual pianos in halls, you know. This would have been the early 70s. There were real pianos. And Peter always liked the piano as well. And obviously, Paddy and Seamus loved piano as well. So I used to be co-opted to accompany everybody and anyone in the concert. And uh, I wouldn't, like, we would have had no rehearsal or anything. It would be up onto the up onto the stage and you'd be maybe you, I was probably given keys but I mean you know I, I think it was such a privilege to have been able as a teenager to to share a stage with you know the traditional music royalty as I kind of looked at I looked at them that way and both of them were like Paddy and Seamus were hugely influential in in my music really. Um, Eileen, you mentioned that Dr. O'Neill track. We might have a listen to that. Okay. And so it's Dr. O'Neill and I think it's The Wandering Minstrel. The Wandering Minstrel, yeah. Afterwards. And he's playing both of them in the Keep C on this. That would, would have been like where the Melodians would have played mm-hmm. them at that, at that time. And since we've cleaned it up, it's amazing. You can hear all the beautiful ornamentation he's doing because it was hidden by all the grit and whatever. The layers, uh, yeah. The layers, yeah. It's amazing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
Dr. O'Neill and the Wandering Minstrel uh, played by uh, Paddy O'Brien with Eileen Lane I think again and that's from that Bill Stapleton collection uh, recorded in Dublin in 1947. Mm. Eileen uh, just before I move on those recordings that's part uh, and all the recordings we're going to hear of Paddy tonight they're part of a project that you're working on of releasing a a CD of his of Paddy's music isn't that right? Yeah yeah I since dad passed away in 1991 um he was only 69 and he'd been Ill, he he got a very bad illness at 66 he got a stroke so he was kind of gone from everything from 66 or for, at the age of 66 like it was an awful shock to our family and shock to him and anyway but anyway that's as the that's the way what life throws at you so um then i worked on getting his compositions documented and um typeset and all that and produced his compositions. So I've been working, always doing things, and I, we had a festival in Nina then for ten years, the and all the Aina Paddy O'Brien, mm. and uh, you know we we finished up that, and I was you know I was used to, uh, the last few years of life, I was thinking I should be doing different things than a festival, you know. So I got into doing the the music then, and and um, got the books of compositions done. So uh, then his hundredth birthday was coming up, and I was trying to think what could I do, and this has been on my mind, you know that there's about three to four generations that hadn't heard him play. You know, I mean, they haven't heard his style. And what he was doing at that time, I mean, at that time in Irish traditional music, the the element of intricacy of ornamentation, the exploration of keys, the mastery of the instrument that he had, both in his right hand and his left hand, his bass, uh, like the solo tracks you hear, the bass is just amazing. You don't, I, I, was, I was afraid then that when you have some tracks on piano with piano, that um, when you'd have tracks without piano, maybe people, you know, it, it would just sound. But you actually, you don't miss it. It's because it's it's a full performance of the full all the instrument. You know, it's really a mastery of the instrument, and um, it's been a an education to me. I'm still learning, <laughs> listening to him. Uh, so I wanted to do something for the, the centenary of his birth. So I decided I'd try and get enough solo tracks together to produce an album of his playing. So that's one project. And I'm doing another project as well, which is nearly complete. Dad and Seamus, Geraldine mentioned Seamus and Dad there, um, where they played together, and Charlie Lennon, they recorded the uh, six-track EP in, I think it was 74, 73, 74, The Banks of the Shannon. And it was a highly influential recording as well. So Coltis would own that, you see, because they, they did it for Coltis. Yeah. So I contacted um, Laros Omaraku, and he was delighted to agree to reissue it. So I have had the pleasure and the opportunity, he gave me the pleasure and the opportunity of leading the project with great help from Siobhan Econoran. And um, so I've I've been in on the remaster and restoration of those as well. Like, you know, so there's two, two different... Things to bring back a few memories to people, like you know, so it'll be nice, you know. Absolutely, and they're all due to be finished later on this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Please God, um, spring. Yeah. Spring, summer, yeah. And yeah. it looks like you'll be able to have people at a launch and all that well, kind of stuff. Well, I hope so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that um, Dad's, for Dad's one, my vision is to launch it in his home village of Newtown, where he was born, you know. So I think that's, we'll start out there and we'll see what happens after that. <laughs> and when he was unwell, was he was he aware that you were doing this work and the tunes and everything? Uh, well, I hadn't, I had You hadn't started? I hadn't started, no, because he was, he had a profound stroke. So he had lost his um, use of his right side. And he lost most of his speech. But as a kind of a therapy, I used to get, get him whistling. He started whistling. And 
uh, he composed a few tunes. Um, uh, I used to write them down, you know, but I didn't start the gathering up of the tunes because Dad didn't realise the value of them. He wanted them played, and he used to write them out in staff notation. Like, he learned how to do staff notation in when, when he lived in America, and he thought it was great when he could learn to read music, and he spent his life going through O'Neill's book and all that, he, he, it opened up a whole new world to him. So um, he used to write them down and then he'd give them away to people. He'd go down to the session in Gary Kennedy and he'd give it to Dan Larkin or he'd give it to some of the rest give of the Give the original away, like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I had to go around then and kind of gather up, okay. you know, uh, to make sure I had them all, you know. And um, anyway, uh, we got them and no, no, none, none have shown up at home since anyway. So unless, unless we're missing some, but... Um, Eileen, I remember you telling me about finding one in a drawer. Oh, yeah, Donica did. Yeah. My brother, my one brother, Donica. And he plays accordion as well. He can't be here today. He's not well. But um, uh, Donica, when I was doing the, the book, the definitive collection, Donica found one in a drawer of a, of a dressing table at home. And no, but he, he used to write, if he composed it, he's right. Daddy would always say, P. O'Brien, the date. And he hadn't put a title on it. So we called it the surprise hornpipe. Nice <laughs> <laughs> <late> arrival, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I kind of skipped a generation because you talked about uh, your family or, or his family home uh, mm. when he was young with mm. Dinny and, and mm. it being a mecca for music. But mm. you grew up in, in the same sort of household yeah, because yeah. he married Eileen Seary he and married Eileen she Seary, came yeah. from a long lineage she of She came from musicians. a long lineage, yeah. Um, like, uh, it was on both sides. Um they um, met in her own house in series in Dublin. Daddy was, came up to play at the Piper's Club. He was invited up to play at the Piper's Club and that's where they met in her own house. It was very, very strange like, to meet your future husband in your own in home. In your sitting room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they were. that would be an open house for music. Course, their their yeah. house was the same type of house as what my father grew up in. Mm. And um, yeah, and they got married in the States and um, I was born in the States. So I was very lucky to be born into such a family because I got to know... Grew up knowing all in these circles of great musicians and great music people, both in Dublin and around other parts. Because we, when we came back from America, we lived in Dublin for a few years, like you know. And like I mean, I got I, I, I we had connections with the Pipers Club always because my my grandfather Jim Seary was he used to take the money on the door or whatever. Let the, he was he used to be on the door. And then of course Uncle Sean the, played the pipes, and we were great friends with the Rousums, Leo and Mrs. Rousum. When we moved back down to Tipperary, they used to come down on their holidays to us, you know. <laughs> and when, when, we, when we were in New York, like I was only a very small child, we came home when I was four, but I mean, Daddy was playing with, with Andy McGann, Felix Dolan, Paddy Reynolds. They were all over in our apartment. There used to be a session in our apartment every week. And I was a baby, a young toddler, you know, reared up with that, like Larry Redigan, Jack Cohn. They were all very close friends, you know. Yeah, so. Seeing as you're talking about America, there's another set of recordings that he did um, for Columbia, I think. That's Tell right, me about yeah. those, because um, we have some yeah. of those, we might play one of those. Yeah, um, Dad was leaving for America in January 54. His mother had died and he was going, because there was no future for him here. Like As with most people, in the, he hadn't a secondary school education, he left, left at primary school. And um, there was, he was working as, uh, he had a few jobs. He was working as a postman. He, and then he was playing music with the Tulla and the Akram Slopes. And then he also used to work with farmers, you know. And then his father used to do building and thatching and all that. So these were kind of, 
they could turn their hand to anything, you know. Uh, he was a plasterer by trade. So there was no great future, like, I mean, there was a fierce depression on that time here. So he was emigrating to the States. And Count Eno Kelly was a great friend of my father's. He was from Gertrae up in East Galway. And um, Count Ian got Columbia, it was he arranged it, he got Columbia Records down to Newtown the night before my father left. And I remember my Aunt Mary, God be good to her, saying they had to stop the clock on the wall, the old clock's ticking, you know, the wind-up clocks. They had to stop the clock because it was tick-tocking. And uh, they recorded them at, at his home. Uh, and he went away, he went off to America the following day. And you said to me the other day that you can you can hear almost that in the well, you in the can tunes, yeah. yeah I think so like I mean it's great playing but you can hear it's, you know I mean he's he didn't know what he was facing into like you know uh, leaving home because my father was a real home bird you know and all he wanted to do was come home yeah okay well mm. let's have a listen to one of those tracks we might listen to the Spike Island Lassies and yeah, Dowd's favorite great, oh it's a great track yeah. <laughs> Island Lassies and Dowd's favourite played by Paddy O'Brien there and um, I'm here as I said in studio with Eileen O'Brien and Geraldine Cotter and we're talking about um, Paddy O'Brien whose centenary is this month the 10th of February. Um, Eileen he was a massively influential accordion player and when I was sort of reading things about him during the week you know revolutionised accordion playing Mm, mm. uh, hugely inspirational to other players. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? What did he do that was so innovative and, and and changed the landscape of accordion playing? Well, you see, I suppose he, he because he started off life as a fiddle player and all he he, spent, he grew up listening to fiddle playing and uh, he discovered that you could do the rolls, do triplets, do all that and play in different keys on the BC. Mm-hmm. So th- I think that that's what happened. You know, that's what he did. He He put the BC accordion and kind of... The accordion would have been frowned on, you know, it wouldn't be wouldn't be as popular as the fiddles and the flutes and all that at that time. So he kind of popularised it as well. And um, as far as I could gather from my research, like um, I spoke to Joe Burke, God be good to him, my great friend Joe, who we miss dearly. And Joe, in an interview, Joe told me like that he, the first time he heard Daddy was the recording, the Spike Island Lassies and Dowd's favourite. And he said he couldn't believe what he was hearing. He had never heard an accordion played like that before, mm. with all the rolls and all the triplets, and you know, uh, it'd be it'd be it's fiddle music. Yeah, coming out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that style then was picked up. You know, people went out and they bought BC accordions. Yeah, then you yeah, see, yeah. you know, because there was a bit of confusion about p- keys. They just buy an accordion. They didn't yeah, know what key it was in, yeah. and then you go to play with someone else and. You couldn't, yeah. you know. But Dad used to play, he played both um, systems. And do you, you think, know? like, before then, do you think that the reason that it wasn't as popular, say, as the fiddles or the flutes is that it was regarded as unwieldy that way? No, I suppose it was a new, it was new. Yeah, there were, yeah, there were yeah. new instruments coming into the country and um, hadn't found the play. The melodion was there, but you, mm. the, you could only do so much on the melodion. You know, mm. I mean, there's only, there's only so many notes on yeah, it yeah. anyway. And I suppose Dad explored and found that you could do more. On, like a lot of the accordion players were playing 
the, the accordions, even though there were two rows, they were still playing it in one row. They weren't using the outside row, mm. you know. And uh, then Dad, of course, did uh, with the bellows work. Uh, you can get the same note on outside row, like B's and E's. You can get them either on the draw, the press, on the two rows. So he would be able to do like triplets where you'd go up. He'd be able to use the bellows to make it, you know, um, he do all these different ways, which is very intricate what he did. Yeah. You know, you can hear it in the playing. And then, of course, he was able to play at all the different keys, like um, Garris Fiddle and Wade Hampton. He's playing the first, the first harp is in the key of F in 1947. And then he changes into G for the second one. Like that was, that would be unheard of, you know. So. Yeah, well, let's, let's have a listen to that. Mm. And, and, and mm. you can hear all the triplets and everything here as well. Fiddle and Wade Hampton's hornpipes and uh, that was Paddy O'Brien and again they're from those 1947 recordings we spoke about earlier um, I'd like to talk about his tunes a little bit his compositions mm. um, but you're both here you both have instruments you might play a, a set of his tunes for us first what, what are you going to play? We'll play um, a tune called The Bargain which is, was the name of the pub in Gary Kennedy where we used to play Dan Larkin God Be Good To Him and Joan owned it and we used to play sessions there every Friday night. It was the, my father didn't drink at all. It was the only pub he ever really played in because he was friends with Dan. And um, the, where we used to play was the old kitchen. So my father used to kind of convince himself that he actually wasn't in the pub, you know, because so, <laughs> he didn't approve of drink at all. Uh, so the barge in and New Year's Eve. Eileen, you, you spoke about the, the book of tunes that you put out a few years ago and I was looking at that again this week and um, it's an amazing collection because there's just so many different tune types and, and yeah. keys. He, he really used all the colours in the box. Didn't he he did, yeah. yeah well, he, and he, he composed different types of tunes and he yeah. composed tunes in sets. He used to just compose one tune at a time. Those two tunes now, the New Year's Eve, uh, the Bargain and New Year's Eve, they were composed as a set. So he wrote them down when he had to, he'd have them in his head and he'd write down the two. They were for the band, the Aaron Cayley band. And do you mm. remember him, you know, would he sit down and say, you know, like, I'm going to write a tune no, or would, no, he, would no, he go no. for he a walk? Or would have it in his head. He'd have it in his head, yeah. He'd have it in his head, yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. And um, I believe he was... He'd write it down then. Oh, he'd write it down, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and hand it away. Hand it away then, <laughs> give it away then, yeah. I believe he was quite particular about people learning the right version yes. uh, of the tune. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and um, very, very particular about the integrity of the tune, preserving the integrity of the tune. Yeah. Uh, he didn't like um, messing with tunes, you know, changing the actual melody, the actual original melody, you know, which happens. <laughs> 
you know, he, he was more into ornamenting and adorning the melody rather than changing it. And say, Geraldine, when you're playing them, like they have a great ease, don't they, as tunes? Like they flow really nicely. How, what are they like to play? They're lovely, but you need to know them. Yeah. You know, it's like um, there's nearly a dialect, if you like, a mm. musical dialect in it. Mm. And when you're used to playing, you have a sense of where they're going. Mm. That's why I was drawn to those tunes as well. As a piano player, I used to play a lot of the tunes on the piano, you mm. know, melody on the mm. piano as well. Because there's a lot of, I'd say there's a lot of music in them mm. and a lot of harmony in them. And mm. yeah. they're musicians. Yeah. It's musicians' music. Yeah, he music, was a great I melody suppose. writer, like, yeah. 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 Would you play us another, another set? I will. Um, we'll do um, a couple of hornpipes. Gary Kennedy Castle. Which is uh, in, in, this is one of his showpiece hornpipes. Um, Willie Fogarty and I played this in an All Ireland duet, Gary Kennedy, in the key of F. And uh, then I'm going into um, A Fool's Advice, which my father used to always say to me, You're, I'll, I'm going to tell you, I'll, you, you won't take a fool's advice, he'd say. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he was no fool. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely gorgeous. Um, lots of triplets in there. Loads <laughs> of triplets, loads of triplets. Um, there are loads of tunes associated with this home place or places, you yeah, know, around yeah, the place area names, yeah, in yeah. that collection. But I just want to ask you about one set of poll because uh, the humours of Barry, oh, yeah. and the Sheik's fancy, and the Amir's delight. Amir's delight. <laughs> Tell me about um, those. Those, those polkas <laughs> came about because um, down in, in the Barge Inn in Dan Larkin's pub, we had great times. You've got to be good to the mall. But anyway, there was uh, uh, visitors used to come over from Scotland. Uh, John Mason, who was the conductor of the Scottish Fiddle Orchestra, uh, used to come to visit Gary Kennedy, and he'd bring members with him. And um, you know, they're kind of the Scottish they love the polkas. So he's Piat Daddy's write polkas, you know. So he he wrote the polkas for the crack, and then he had no names in them. And then Dan, Dan Larkin's one of his daughters was living out in Bahrain or somewhere. She, her husband was out there working at the time, and Dan went out for a holiday. And when he came back, so Dan, Dan picked the names, the exquisite names that he put on them. You know, but they were, Daddy wrote those for, for fun, but they're great tunes. Mm, they are, and yeah. it's just they're so exotic. In, oh, in very the, exotic. The titles are very. Oh exotic. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so that's how they got their titles. <laughs> um, he passed his compositional talent on to you, and I, I think you do might play bits, us. Yeah, I do one a few or two bits, of your own have tunes. time. Yeah, you, know, you need you need to have nothing else on your mind. You know, um, so I played. I'll play um, a piece that I wrote a number of years ago. It's uh, an air and a set dance, the Silver Mines Mountains, which are the mountains up above Nina, and um, Keeper Hill, which is the highest point in the Silver Mine Mountains. Okay. <laughs>
you know, given that he was a very quiet man, that he was a shy man, how did he feel being this person who had sort of, um, you know, revolutionised accordion playing? Or what did, what did he think, think he, about I don't all think that? He, I, and, you know, the more I listen to his recordings and all that, um, I don't think he realised, mm. you know, he was a bearer of a tradition. He took his teaching very, very seriously. You know, he used to say, you know, and I probably said there about changing the melodies, the original melodies. He used to say to me, they were hard got. You know, it was hard to save them. You know, they were hard got. And uh, so you shouldn't change them. They're beyond recognition. So you should have respect. He had great respect for the actual music. But I don't think he realised his ability. You know, the more I listened to him and I spoke to my brother about it as well, I don't think he realised you know, but I mean, it's great that we have these recordings and I'd like to pay tribute to both Harry Bradshaw and Tom McElvogue for the absolutely wonderful work. It, it wouldn't happen without these people, you know, I mean, it just wouldn't happen. Well, it's amazing that you could take recordings out of a box that were in a box yeah. from 1947 mm. and, and that they sound yeah. this 75 good. years. And, yeah, they're 75. You know, those those are 1947, that's 75 years old. Mm. And the Columbia ones are 68, like, you know, and then we have other ones there that are from um, 59, you know, that you don't have there. Um, but you know what I mean? And 62, like, it's just, uh, it's just great that you can do that, you know, that we have the technology you know, nowadays to do that. Uh, but we have, but you have to have, it's the same with the instruments. You have to have the right drivers. Right people. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have the right drivers, <laughs> you know, and you have to have the right drivers on the, on the technology as well, as the, the, you know, as well as on instruments. That there be pianos or recordings or fiddles or whatever. And actually, before we go, uh, Geraldine's just reminded me, uh, I brought up the talent show at the start of the programme. Mm. I've never come back to it. Tell me about the talent show and in the States and the training up of the piano players. Okay, um, well, um, <laughs> After Dad went over to America, he was only a month in America. The only people he knew were musicians in America, so he got to know the members of the New York Kelly Band, and he was doing, you know, playing with them in Gaelic League events and all that. But there was a guy from Galway called Steve Quinn. He was an accordion player, and he was the manager of this the New York Kelly Band. And he also ended up being my godfather. He's gone to his hurdle award uh, as well as my dad. You know, they were great friends. And um, anyway, there was this competition. It was like uh, Opportunity Knox. And it was the Ted Mack show. And it was a talent show. And you just, people entered it. On telly now, on, t- on, on television. On, on NBC. Only the best. <laughs> National Broadcasting Corporation and um, Steve Quinn, my godfather, entered my father in the show. And you went in then and it was like he used to ring a bell like a boxing in a boxing ring. You know, this was all set in this kind of a and they had a live audience in the studio. And then people used to vote, they'd, but they'd, they'd ring them. You see, America was way ahead of us. They'd ring in their vote or they'd post in their vote. So you could have opera singers, you could have... Um, soft shoe dancers, you could have um, Broadway musical stuff, you could have anything. <laughs> so my father ended up anyway, he got through, and himself and Pat Boone, <laughs> the singer, film star, were the two last <laughs> men standing. <laughs> and um, I was, I, I got, um, I got my hands on um, the actual three, three different recordings of the show that was done in studio in America. Couldn't get the final because Dad, I would have loved to have gotten the final because it was in Madison Square Garden where Dad played the Books of Moore with a full orchestra. Wow. So, but I, they hadn't got that. 
but um, I got it. It's in. It's all in um, the the archives over there. But I got the three shows, and it's very funny because there were there seemed to be two pianos, and the first show, Daddy played um, the Sally Gardens, and. Uh, they were all over the shop. It was hilarious. But so there was, the two of them were accompanying him at the same time. Be, it seemed to be like, and uh, <laughs> it was it was just the, the, what it was, they were they were in key and everything. Yeah. But it's just it was mad, but it was lovely. <laughs> and uh, then um, he, the third week he played the hornpipes, and God, there was a big difference. <laughs> the piano playing was very totally in in keeping with the with the tune, like just guess, you know. I said, I said, I guarantee you. I'm only surprising this. I guarantee you, he had a word with them, like you know, <laughs> you know. That'd be him, of course, as well, mm. you know. You know, it's anyway. a great story. Mm. Mm. Um, but it was great to get those clips of him at 32 years of age, yeah. you know, playing. Because I I did a talk in in UL, you know, where I work in the in the Irish World Academy, and we had a seminar on that there a few years ago. And um, for the young people in the audience to actually see him, you know, because when people are gone a long time from from this world, they kind of, they lose their humanity, you know what I mean? So it's lovely to see the person, you know, you know, so... Yeah. Well, I mentioned in the intro that um, you know anybody playing tunes is is playing Paddy O'Brien tunes in their in their repertoire. But mm. it's it's fantastic that you're working on this project of his recordings and putting mm. his own playing back mm. into the mm. into yeah. the public sphere because mm. uh, that'll be that'll be fantastic. So yeah. we look forward to that release. Um, we're going to finish with another tune, I think, from the two of you. What right. would you like to to play for us? Um, sure, we'll play um, an old tune, the Calavel, because Dad had that in a set. With Dinny O'Brien's. Dinny O'Brien's is one of the first tunes he ever composed. And um, that was be back in the, I suppose, 30s or 40s. And so we'll finish up with those two. OK, well, look, Eileen O'Brien and Geraldine Cotter, thanks a million for uh, coming up to mark the centenary of Paddy O'Brien on the Rolling Wave. And Eileen, good luck with the CD. Uh, we look forward to hearing it when it's done. We're going to leave you with this track from Eileen O'Brien and Geraldine Cotter. Thanks to Kieran Dunn and Pather Carney on sound. Good day on Tham, Hiena and Tacht and Chihogan. And thanks for listening to the Rolling Wave podcast. For rights reasons, the music here is shorter than in the original broadcast. So if you'd like to hear the full versions of all the tunes, you can go to rte.ie forward slash radio one forward slash the rolling wave. And this programme was first broadcast on the 20th of February 2022. Till the next time, Gurramina Mahagi Agaslan.